Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things podcast where we break down, dissect, destroy, build up and, you know, generally talk about the newest, hottest movies um, that we have seen and wish to spoil. I am Stephen. I am joined, as always, by co-host... Co-hoist? Hoisted up to the top <laughs> I'll do, of the I'll do a great start. <laughs> Hoisted to the beginning. Front and centre, one of, you know, the star of the show. Vaughn. Hello, Vaughn. How are you? I am great. How are you doing? I'm especially great because we have a special, special guest. That we You do. will know him from emailing us a lot with great emails, the best emails we have. Um, and you will also know him from Don't Let the Motor Cars Get You and from having just a ridiculous amount of vlog films letterboxed um, and just being a font of filmic knowledge. It is the much talked about, the previous friend of the show, but now one of us, Matt. Hi guys, glad to be here. Uh, Excellent. I don't think I've... Uh, emailed you as much as you're remembering like i think it's just been twice yeah but they were very, very monumental emails oh, okay. it's true <laughs> so they, we created I mean, the, w- the greatest bond movie of all time thing exactly <laughs> you, you gave us our best email so we really really can't can't top that um i mean who can have on david we've never had david on we just would not do that um so yeah definitely not on a episode about banshee's finisher right? <laughs> no he's not seen that movie <laughs> so that wouldn't make are... any sense at all so I, I was thinking one morning we should get Matt on because I just, we should get Matt on more things because Matt's great. And then Matt sent me a message late that day being like, are you guys about Babylon? Because if so, I'd like to talk about Babylon because Matt has seen Babylon a few times. At this point, Babylon was not out in my country, but he knew it was coming out in my country. Um, so I was like, yep, yeah, I will see it over the weekend and we'll talk about it. I knew that Vaughn had seen it. Vaughn, you saw it at the critic screening, yes? Yes, I did. So it's been a little while. I couldn't. Yes. I, I wanted to watch it again, but I had no way to, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your review is up on the site. Obviously, uh, a really glowing review. Uh, Matt will talk about his his opinions of it later. I went to see it, um, and I have spoken nothing about it yet. Yes, we, I have um, no idea what you think yeah, of this film. Um, which I'm, I'm really excited to. But before <laughs> we get to that, should we get our um, bonus features out of the way? A few films yeah, that we have all seen. A small grab bag. We have, we have one... Um, that you guys can talk about that I wanted to get to but didn't have time because it's been a busy weekend. Okay. But if you guys want to briefly discuss a documentary you've both seen, you can ah, take it away. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, Matt, you watched this first and I watched it because of you. So you do want to give the lead in on this. Yeah, sure. And I mean, I watched it because of uh, Calvin and uh, Kevin. They both watched it, yeah. I think, like the weekend it went on to Netflix. But it's a it's a documentary about black exploitation and the film history leading up to it and mm. uh, the consequences. That's the short of it. It spends most of the time in its seventies. But yes, I, I always love film history docs. I'm like I'm not I'm not a big documentary guy in general, but like documentaries okay. about film can always uh, hold. <laughs> and the film is called. Oh, do we not say that yet? Is that black enough for you? With Yes, um, I keep getting like that and this. I keep calling it like this or like that. So I was just, that's my, my reticence of saying it myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's really, really good. Um, it is a really well put together, really well argued. It's got all the footage you want. It is, like you could critique it for being like overly standard, but it's a reminder that that is the standard for documentaries for a reason. And when you can make it in that way and get those people and ask them the right questions, you just get just amazing results. It's got all the people you'd want to be in it. Um, I'm sure there are more that others would want, but people I would want in it. Asks them amazing questions. It's got great footage. I love that it flashes back to set up the 70s. Um, and it does look a bit of the impact past that point. I would say maybe I'd like it to go a bit further, but I would like it to go further in... A, I would like another movie. I would like now go excellent. And then what is the, the point past this? Because how it contextualises around the 70s, I think, is, is absolutely brilliant. Really cool film. Um, very high recommended. So there you go. Is yeah, I, I, I definitely... Point. 
would like more of it as well. Maybe yeah. they could fit it into one. Do you, do you remember how long it was? Like I know it's it's a, it's, it's long. Hours. It's two and a half hours, I think. Um, okay. But it's it's gripping. I mean, maybe that's me overstating. It, it is over two hours, but it's got a lot of footage to get through. It's really well performed in terms of like voiceover. It just it is funny. It's entertaining. It knows how to tie things together. There is a little. There is a point. A couple of points where it overreaches a bit. There was kind of like one equivalence made to audiences understanding things more because of covid happening which i was like mm, okay huh. interesting um yeah. <laughs> that that was just like okay when, you, when you're gonna when you're saying a lot of things i mean as i know myself you're gonna say <laughs> things that are stupid quite frequently so that happens whatever but yeah really great documentary excellent yeah and Only... it, it could be longer as one body because yeah. the folk horror documentary last year woodlands dark and days of witch yeah is, like verging on three and a half hours and like that's similar <laughs> it's awesome yeah. it gives a very thorough history like this this one could have done more in the post 70s period like you were saying I think. yeah yeah totally totally so yeah very much recommended um vaughn another film that i guess is very much recommended what have you got oh boy this is <laughs> i mean <laughs> uh, to continue our streak of uh discussing the the latest like viral indie horror trends um we've where the, also where seen this like guys rink um which oh boy uh i don't even know like how to introduce it as a film because i don't know if i could even really say like what it's about it's it's kind of like an experiment of how how little a film can you put in about two hours which is like it's like it's so Andy warhol-esque and it's just <laughs> let's just yes. let's just have two hours um i guys i think it sucks i'm sorry i, 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 I think we're all on the same page i know there. i'm sorry yeah. listener. like it, it is a very divisive film there are plenty of people who do love it and mm. uh maybe you can find like fun debates between the lovers and the haters in a different yeah. podcast, but we all we all hate it here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely sucks. I mean, it's easy to say it's boring, but it's very very boring. Um, I think my main complaint, which I stick by, is the film syntactically does not make any sense to me. Of I, I agree. am more forgiving to found footage than at least Vaughn. Um, maybe that <laughs> I don't know. I I really really love Blair Witch Project, for example. I think it's an absolutely excellent film. Um, and I like the way that it uses the found footage a part of this. In this film, I'm like, what is this footage? Where is it coming right. from? Why is it made to look like a film? Because what? And just like the, all the noise effects are really distracting and just get in the way. It's like, where is this camera? Where is this being filmed from? What is this? What is going on? The thing that usually gives it the creepy like verite is actually just deeply distracting. If this were just like, you've both seen Cache, haven't you? Yes. If this were more like the lingering kind of like creepiness of like Cache, it's like, no, here's just a shot and you can see things and it's weird. Or even like, um, even if it was a bit more like Lost Highway-esque in that thing, it been more period appropriate maybe, but just, yeah, this, it doesn't make sense to me and it's boring and I hate it. Yeah, it's hard to get over just like what a, what the perspective is. Like mm. the, it's just there, a, yeah. nothing adds up. It's not a camera that they're recording themselves. It's yep. not the kids pov exactly unless nope. <laughs> it's very still staring at a wall <laughs> and they have like weird film grain in their eyes yeah. as well i don't know yeah uh, yeah and i i've seen some positive reviews and i can understand mm. sort of the perspective of what it's maybe trying to evoke which is like that that creepy midnight feeling of like when everything in the house becomes scary when you're young but i don't the perspective of it i don't think even really gets that across and no. I, I I didn't feel like I was like being taken to that place. I didn't feel like, oh, no. I totally get it. It's like when I was young, I was like, this is just 
it's just dreadfully boring. It's because you're just staring at a wall the whole time. It's like obscuring the movie that's happening, but there's also no movie really happening. It's no. just nothing. Also, I guess it's because I'm like a massive Chad, but like, I wasn't <laughs> like that. Like, I, I can't really relate to the core premise. I don't find my house scary. I'm sorry. I don't really have memories of like being in my house and being just like terrified, I guess. Just I'm just, you know, big, brave boy. But like, nah, don't relate. Sorry. Yeah, I can understand why people would like a movie like this. You know, I mean, they're like you were saying, Blair Witch. I mean, and the mm. the idea of like going back to childhood memories of like empty spaces and liminal space is a big thing right now. There was that one yeah. short film about like six months ago, right? About I don't know if either of you saw it, but probably not. What whatever. Moving on, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. What was I going to say? Yeah, I, I just don't get this one. It doesn't. Yeah. There's nothing it's, there. It's too little. I. It's so long. I wish. Yeah, I, I mean, you I mentioned a short film. It. It's like this would probably yeah. work as a short film, but it's an yeah. hour and forty minutes, and it just—it's the same thing. It doesn't. There's no like plot progression. There's nothing happening. It's it's just shot. I mean, there may have been, but I zoned out so much. Oh, yeah. I'm just it's, like, it's I was like, like maybe loads of things happened. I did not bear that. There's like the the laziest like gr- looping grain filter that just plays oh, over so the whole annoying. thing. It's shots of walls, and then like every thirty minutes, there's a just a horrendous jump scare that there's like no purpose for, and it just screams at you to wake you up, and then it does the same thing again. Yeah, in my review, it didn't I even work. Like I literally fell asleep watching this. It's just not like <laughs> that's like off for a minute or two, but like I was out, like and I slept through as the rest of the movie played. So those jump scares did not succeed yeah. in waking me up. Yeah, in, in my review, I likened it to like negatively negative comparison to wavelength which is not a movie that i love anyway and again is 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 a short but wavelength is scarier um and it's not really trying to be horror but so that for those that don't know wavelength is the 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 room and the, the camera zooms in and in and in over like 45 minutes and it's it's conceptually very 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 cool um but this kind of wants to be that and it's all lingering shots, but my line that I was, that I was proud of is like, the lingering shots don't linger. Like, it, it doesn't let its lingering lens actually yeah. linger anywhere. It's constantly cutting to things. Like, just give me a shot that lasts for that bit too long. I love that in film of, why is this shot still going? What's going on? Like, I think a lot of that Exorcist 3 scene of being like, why is this camera here? What is happening? Love that headspace. This was just like, ah, oh, here's a shot. Oh, we moved. Well- we say it's cutting to things, but it's like it's not even really cutting to things. It's, it's cutting just to cutting. It just it cuts to the same thing in a different room or like the sh- a shot of a bedpost or whatever. I'm just like, I what am I looking at? Also, the kids are so annoying, and they're barely in the movie, but they manage yeah. to be annoying anyway. <laughs> like <laughs> to link to Ennis Main briefly, the um, the new film from Mark Jenkins, which I saw and absolutely love, which is not really worth talking about because you two can't see it yet. But sometimes when I'm watching like abstract film you have that feeling of being like this is kind of jumbled nonsense and do i just like jumbled nonsense yeah. and then you see a film like this and you go no no no, that, that is artistically done i don't right. just like random things it does like to appreciate that yes cutting ethereally and weirdly is very very powerful and very very cool because i'm just like could i have just like just slices for just randomly together at home like no turns out no skin yeah, does that there is usually very uh intention there's there's usually intent behind the best jumbled yeah. nonsense and it doesn't feel like there's intent here I, I genuinely find it very interesting that this became such like a popular film and like such a hit because I just I really like it seems antithetical to like a lot of what seems like people like about a lot of movies and I don't I just don't get it. It's TikTok, right? Isn't it because it leaked from a festival and yeah. then a bunch of TikTokers started talking about it. 
But it I seems mean, TikTok like, has yeah. also got Zoolander trending, so I mean, maybe we should, maybe we should stop following TikTok for film advice. <laughs> well, I, I would, I would definitely Zoolander agree is, with that. <laughs> not saying Zoolander is terrible by any means, but like, it doesn't need to be rewatched or brought up again. So, so yeah, on the break. subject of, you know, like, cut-together nonsense, long yeah. shots of nothing, have either of you seen Sleep Has Her House? No, I haven't. No! Our, our friends Cody and yeah. Cormac really love that movie, and it's... Yeah. Uh, I think that's what Cody was expecting to get out of Skin and Marink. It's just these long shots of nature, sort of, and they all go on too long, and it's all very I love that. chilling and spooky. I, I don't necessarily love the movie myself, but I wish Skin and Marink had some of that energy in it. Yeah. We're also in the stacks, inspired by this film, we're going to do a best title award because i do love the title skinnamarink i love saying it i love hearing it it's just a shame that the movie sucks but skinnamarink a great title for a film that should exist to be better it's a very good poster too like everything yeah it, all of the presentation is very good it's just that the film itself is like nothing <laughs> yeah um sorry for people that like it right in I, yeah it. i would definitely love to hear from people who are fans of it and because <laughs> i genuinely like i i don't quite Maybe I I never will quite understand, but yeah, like I'm scared of my adult house because like I don't mean to boast it, but like when you own a house and things break, like that's a problem. She's like, oh crap, god damn it, I don't know what to do, and this is horrible. So like adult houses scare me, but child house, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. It's a house. <laughs> yeah, but there's yeah, I mean, you barely even get a sense of the house itself in, in the movie. I mean, it's like so yeah. the shots are so interior, and like you never really get oh, any yeah. sense of the space at all. It's yeah. People there's nothing to it's connect House to. of Leaves, and I'm like, go wa- go watch the other found footage House of Leaves movie from this year. <laughs> Just, no. Yeah, I don't. I don't think film. I have any. I don't think I have any more thoughts on this one. Is that a grab bag? Do you have anything else we want to, want to grab? I don't have anything else uh, written down that uh, the three of us could discuss. I don't know if there's anything yeah, else I... that you could think of, but yeah, I think that's neither. You've seen missing, right? No, no I'd like no. to. So that is a sequel to Searching, yes. Yes, it does okay. take place in the same world. I, I guess not like not really spoilers for the, the first the same scene. Same world whatever. being this world. But like uh it starts off with uh like the character in Missing is watching Netflix uh true crime adaptation of oh, the god. events of Surgeon. Oh, you say oh god, I say that sounds great. <laughs> oh that sounds annoying to me. It sounds great to me. I yeah, it's not out here yet. I I will when it comes out I will go see it, definitely. I really liked searching. I didn't love it, but I really liked it. I like searching. Um, it made me nostalgic for Windows XP. I saw Windows <laughs> XP. Just that that sound just like on the cinema screen, I was like, Oh, I loved Windows XP. And there you go. I didn't, I didn't know that about myself. But it's an interesting like thing to make into like a wider like series or genre like that mm. screen only thing. I feel like even just watching searching, which I do like, but even just watching searching, I was like, some of this seems like quite a stretch like you have to really bend yeah, so many very things. implausible yeah. in the new one i think it a lot of okay <laughs> nice nice <laughs> I, am, I am i am there for that so the big event then babylon let's do the before we babylon about babylon yes. <laughs> there you go thank you very much um let's do the scene setting we like to do so damien chazelle um as a filmmaker um rose to fame with whiplash based yep. on a short film of the same name i've not seen the short film i presume you both I haven't have. either i haven't I'm no. not, actually. oh there you wow, go i thought you were both Chis- chiselle heads but no whiplash comes out um and then leans la la land and then first man and this um a run of four interesting movies um Stephen, one did not you... do as well as the others have you seen his debut Stephen? wait what there's another movie yeah uh guy and madeline on a park bench no, I'd never heard of that. It's before. not very, very good. <laughs> yeah. Very indie. Like, 
Uh, it might have been a student film, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's black and white. Like okay. there's, there's. I mean, it's, uh, there's some similar. Pass. You can definitely see like because it's the same thing. Like there's a lot of like jazz influence in it, and it's about that kind of really? thing. So you can see a lot of like the influence. Um, but it's yeah, it's not a very good movie. So it's like like First Man then is what you're saying. Just like First yes. Man, yeah. Just like First Man. <laughs> Just like First Man. <laughs> First Man is such what? a weird one. I don't know why that exists, but if that's the reason that we got Bob- Babylon, then I'm happy. For we'll, it. we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. So um, Whiplash thoughts. I adore Whiplash. It's one of my favorite movies. I really, really love it. I've seen okay, it I didn't, many times. I didn't know you're that hot on it. I, it's yeah. good. I like it. I've not seen it since the cinema. Um, I I thought it was good. I don't think it's amazing. I thought it was very, very good. It's actually it's... very important to me in terms of like my getting into film, I think. Okay. Uh, okay. My first weekend at college, we did like an all-night movie marathon, me and my roommates, and uh, it was Rubber, which was my suggestion because <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know the Quentin Dupieux movie about the yeah, yeah. Tire. yeah. yeah. I, I then... screened that to two friends at uni as well, having never watched it before, being like, "Let's watch this." Everyone's like, "This movie's very boring." I was like, "Yes, it is." Yeah, and then it was Whiplash, and then I think In Bruges after that. So hey. that was a good night. It's an but interesting I, selection. <laughs> yeah, I was not the the person who brought Whiplash to me. I'm very grateful for because that, that movie yeah. just really uh, hit me at that right time, and I. We kept doing those movie nights in part because I knew I could rely on great recommendations from those friends. That's awesome. There you go. I, I, and I think Damien Chazelle is quite, for, for people of our age, is quite a, a figure like that, that people have glommed on to his movies and really love them. Apart from First Man. We'll get to First Man. <laughs> First Man again, <laughs> being a weird outlier. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love Whiplash. Um, what I love. I really, really like it. And then La La Land. Matt, you first. Again, another very important to me mm-hmm important film to me to like getting me into film I saw this in theaters in like 2016 yeah. and I'd say I probably took like the the deep dive that I'm still on in like April of 2017 but yeah uh I saw this I think three times in the theaters same I think just different groups of people had to get everybody out to see this one uh did not enjoy the conversation around it because everybody's just calling it this uh Oscar bait soulless yeah. Hollywood circle jerk and it's like that's I mean you're just being Not cynical is, for yeah. no reason yeah <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean I, I really like La La Land I think it's absolutely great um, so I think you know a big step up from Whiplash which I really, really liked um, I that had a similar experience I went to see it so I used to when I was working down in Reading which is kind of near London I used to like every other weekend go out to London um, and just try and catch a whole bunch of movies um, in one day because I had like a nice. cinema pass that included the West End cinemas and it was just nice to walk around London for the day have like a nice lunch and see movies and that day I saw um, Silence oh, wow. La La Land and A Monster Calls I was just like man cinema's really good <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like 20th Century Women and like Moonlight like the next day maybe or like the next weekend and it's just like this like run of being like films are very very good and yeah La La was that the was that the order actually like did you see silence first because that's like quite yeah. a movie to like <laughs> then go into la la land after silence wow yeah because i was expecting to not like silence very much and i absolutely adored silence and it was my, my favorite film of the three certainly um but yeah silence blew me away and then i went to the real film that i came for la la land which i thought well that was incredible in the same cinema yeah. like a couple of hours later and then finished up with monster calls which i really really liked so steven um, did you uh were you familiar with Jacques to me before you saw no. La La Land the first time? No, no, I know not at Zebra all. or Vaughn did find himself in that position bizarrely, right? Yeah, oh, really? yeah. I I I couldn't tell you exactly why it took me so long to see La La Land. I it was only like a month ago that I watched it for the first time. Um Really? Yeah, I, I don't know. It was just like one <laughs> that like I, I missed it in the initial like run. And I think at the time I was very like 
not necessarily anti, but I just wasn't really interested in you musicals. You thought it was a Teletubbies movie, and you're like, I don't know a Teletubbies movie. <laughs> God. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I just like wasn't interested in musicals, and I, I do think like part of it was like I was just like annoyed by the conversation around it, and was yeah. like much more cynical at the time. Um, and then like when I started getting really into film, I don't know what it was. Like I just never got around to it for whatever reason. Um, yeah. and then yeah like then became such a huge fan of Demi and then now watching it just recently and I was like oh I'm glad I I'm glad that I waited to watch it ultimately yeah. because like finding all that influence made it that much better for me to be like oh this is like so indebted to his work and yes loving Demi a lot I'm like oh this is like just phenomenal I think yeah. the indebtedness really enriches the film for me I think I think yeah. like it's very easy to say that this is the Umbrellas of Sherbog story with some Rochefort stylings and like to an extent yes but it uses those things as a springboard to be very modern very interesting yeah. there are issues with optics i don't think they're overwhelming i don't think they're overbearing i think the movie is cognizant of some of them not as many as it could have been but never in a way that like hugely like drags the film down i was talking to about this yesterday my wife for those that don't know um and she made the point i agree that the thing that ruined la la land as in as a cultural object was the oscars thing that like that yeah, i think did re- did real damage to that film's perception of it because it made people resent it because they're like they thought that it won over Moonlight and then when it kind of didn't well when it didn't that whole fiasco has soured the picture of it and it's made it become this comparison thing of the populist versus the art house thing which it never was if it right. had never it's like, yeah. won in quotes it would have been more like oh that was a great movie and people yeah, just yeah, that's, that's the discussion now is just like when mm. that movie is brought up as it's just the Oscars stuff and it's like that's, but it's you know it's also just a film that exists on its own yeah, it's a real shame because I think just the conversation about La La Land became so overblown and like, I don't know, the hype got ridiculous um, and then it became cool to not like it and then that became like even higher with right. the Oscar stuff and I, I think it's a great movie. I know that you two do as well. I think it's really, really yeah. good. Yeah, no, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and then First Man, which I'm going to start with. I really, really like First Man. I think it's great. I also really like First Man. I This First Man I did see in theaters and I remember Same like at the time... benefits I, from... Finding it kind of strange like just because it's such an outlier for like Chazelle like even after just you know not too many movies but like I was like this is a very different film for him but I still really really like it very interesting yeah Yeah. I saw it in theaters as well and I I just don't really have much of a reaction to it at all it's very hard for me to (laughs) take interest in these sorts of biopics not my thing yeah I mean I not usually I, I like I liked the sound of it a lot I found oh, the yeah. sound design really like transporting um and I was not interested in the story and I it found a way in it found the humanity that I wasn't expecting yeah it wasn't like wildly different from like biopic standard but it was different enough I, I really really liked it um I would argue to an I mean I, that, this is me being actually lying to myself I want to say his films just got better to this point, but no, Lala Land is better than First Man. But I'll take First Man over um, Whiplash, certainly. Interesting. I, and I will say, First Man, I think, was, like, for me, a more formative movie in, like, me being a huge fan of film scores, because mm. I, the First ah. Man score is, is just phenomenal. Um, and I, I mean, I already really loved Justin Hurwitz's work on Whiplash, but yeah. um, I remember, like, coming out of First Man and, like, then just, like, listening to a couple of those songs that are just, like, outstanding. Um, yeah and you know now it's like <laughs> all i listen to is film scores half the time so yeah and first man is definitely better than men for example so if we're gonna if we're gonna rank the man as we've been wont to do in the past um first man isn't my first man but it's better than men so that sets the stage quite a few years later then for babylon um i will and... but what, should we 
Oh, take it back. The portrait, another... mode, the, port- the portrait mode is short. That sucks. No, that's not what I was going to say. I was going <laughs> to... I mean, I guess whatever you want to, to talk about, but I was going to also mention Singing in the Rain before we got into Babylon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Start us off with your thoughts on Singing in the Rain, which uh, is very important all, to Babylon. First of all, that portrait mode film that he made is really, really terrible. Don't, don't, if you've not watched that, don't watch that. I, I don't really, really even terrible. know what you're talking about. He made a short film. <laughs> Matt doesn't either. He, really? Oh, he made a short film that's filmed entirely in portrait mode as like a proof of being like you like film can be in portrait mode. Um, I think he made it with Apple. That makes sense. It's bad. Like it's really I bad. You. Um, but like it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, even the Rain directors is... I love, I, I tend to miss their short films or just don't even realize that they exist. Yeah, it, and it, it, it's totally in like an advertorial like commissiony thing. Like it's it's yeah. what guys getting a buck because you know Babylon's expensive. Um, yeah, Singing the Rain is one of the best movies ever made. Would you want to know? Like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> What's the question? It's good. <laughs> I mean, I, just, the rain. <laughs> I thought it was worth bringing up before we, we dive yeah. fully into Babylon. Um, yeah, I gave it a rewatch yesterday just to have it fresh on my mind. Yeah, yeah I couldn't rewatch Babylon, but I did rewatch Singing in the Rain the other day, and yeah, still, still the greatest. Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, it's, it is the film that I, you know. I've been speaking to people outside of my internet sphere about about Babylon. I'm like, if you're interested in seeing it, I was like, make sure yeah. you have seen Singing in the Rain. I've been surprised how few people have seen Singing in the Rain. I feel like it's one of those things that everyone just presumes that everyone's seen and then never gets around to watching. Same as um, Sound of Music kind of thing. Be like, oh, yeah, maybe. Like, like they just kind of because like everybody knows about the Gene right. Kelly dancing in the streets. Yes, scene in the rain. You know the titular song, but mm. like I, th- I think like. People think they know what that movie is about. They just think it's mm. just some Hollywood musical. But yeah. they, they, they don't realize that it's about the industry. It's about this transition yeah. from silent I did not, to certainly. Sound. Yeah. Yeah, when and I like, first watched it, I was watching it out of obligation of being like, oh, it's on to me less. And I was like, oh, this is not the film I thought it was. And this is absolutely fantastic. It's good. Sing in the rain. Yeah. So, <laughs> Babylon then. Babylon. Um, which um, comes out many, many years after. Um, with the I don't know like <sighs> Damien Chazelle's a weird one of like people like to not like Damien Chazelle. Um, he's one of yeah. those one, one of those directors, um, which is by the by. Um, but this is his three and a bit hour epic about I I mean to be reductive about the transition point from the silent era into the nascent sound era. Yeah. And I mean that's the, the, stars the of basics one, of it. Where we're, yeah, where what happens to the stars of one when it goes over. So very indebted to Singing in the Rain, obviously. And Singing in the Rain is in the movie. So I've liked Damien Chazelle up until this point. Um very much so. Um but is not someone that like pulls me to a film, right. certainly. Um I don't know the fact this was like a three hour and a bit like looked like Fellini-esque just like madness was what what drew me to it but like they don't really do films like this when yeah. they do films this big just the avatar though avatar is in this film so i guess that, <laughs> that's con- so I, con- yeah, i'm contractually curious. obliged what were you so what were your like expectations going in like were you i expecting to like it or i had no idea generally i was just like i know i'm gonna have a reaction to this film and i really right. want to see it because i i know that this film is going to make me react um and it's gonna be really worth watching so Stephen, <laughs> yeah. What do you think of Babylon? I have to know. I think it. I think it's absolutely incredible. I loved yes, it so yes, much. Excellent. <laughs> so much. I was just like, it just. I. Yeah. I. I'm surprised we don't. I keep seeing reviews. I'm like, why we're not like 
completely blown away by this film. It's absolutely spectacular. Is yeah, ge- genuinely incredible. I, there were a couple of bits I was like, eh. There are a couple of them like, eh. Um, but as as a piece, it's 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 staggering. It's like yeah. from the beginning, we talk a lot about like how an audience can add so much to a film. Oh, um, definitely. Usually in an appreciative way, but I think we don't talk enough about like how the sense of an audience not getting along with a film, oh, really, or very much getting <laughs> along with a film, that can be really additive. Like, was that I your was, experience? Yeah, I was laughing a lot like the whole way through. Like, Emma was kind of like tittering along with me, but I'm like, I'm I'm a loud laugher, and um, <laughs> stony silence. Wow, you know? not very full cinema. I was like, oh, that's funny. And, what yeah, was the reaction I'm... to the elephant shitting scene? At the start? oh, that was. That was Emma and I just being like, oh my god, just laughing, laughing, laughing. <laughs> Nothing. Wow. Uh, yeah, that set the tone. Um, the thing that I said uh, to Emma is being like, you know that scene, you know that scene from Boogie Nights, that scene, the Avrilina scene. <laughs> oh, what yeah. if we made even a movie... beyond that scene? This movie is very similar oh, to yeah. Boogie Nights. Yeah, just no, it in is. In terms of what it's about, this this transition period in yeah. uh, the film industry and how it affects uh, the people who thrived in the early area. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, it's spectacular. Like my my jaw was just like dropped from from the beginning. I did not feel the runtime at all. I could have handled a much longer movie. Um I thought it balanced its storylines just amazingly. I was intrigued by all of them. I thought all the performances are great even from actors that I'm not always a fan of. Um the soundtrack is if that doesn't I mean the film's not going to win Oscars if it doesn't win best score. That's a joke. I would the be score is... blown away if it didn't. I mean, I don't think there's anything that comes anywhere close this year. Yeah, it just won at the Globes, right? So it's a yeah. good sign, and at least. I think the best sign for me was like in the first 10 minutes, I was like, this is great filmmaking of like the what just the, the camera having like so much autonomy yeah. in the space and going to those parties. And then I never thought about that for the rest of the film. I was just, just, like just swept away by it, yeah. Yeah, it's the best Avatar film of the year. It's the best Barbarian <laughs> film of the year. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I, when you were watching it we were talking to jack and jack's like i know he's like i'm placing bets right now on steven calling this the best avatar film of the year it is the best avatar <laughs> of the year. but did you bet that it was i didn't think it was the best barbarian film of the year there was one sequence in this film that oh, barbarian's barbarian yeah so good oh. i matt i'm curious so you saw it three times in the theaters i did i saw it it's opening weekend then week after that and uh, i don't know a week or two after that again yeah three times all on my own so what were to, your, tell me your, tell me your thoughts tell me your yeah thoughts. what were your audience um experiences oh, or yeah. was there like no well, audience only only the first one had an audience oh, okay. besides me <laughs> <laughs> um but i mean there there just wasn't much of a reaction from everybody and i'm not like a big i don't really laugh at movies out loud very often so like okay. i was pretty quiet through the movie too so the the theater was dead silent through the whole thing <laughs> oh man that's unfortunate my theater was rowdy it was awesome it's a great time. Again, I was rowdy, but, the <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I was a bit skeptical of this because I, I hated the marketing for it. I hated the trailers. I thought yeah. they were the most annoying things that I had to see before they don't, every other movie. I was I agree. To, like, they don't sell months. the movie at all. And in fact, the, yeah. the worst part of that trailer isn't even in the movie. Thankfully, where Brad Pitt does that stupid oh, yeah, dance no, on not. the ledge. That's not in the movie. <laughs> Thank God. Oh yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, I was, I was immediately blown away as soon as it started. And then after the party scene, when the late title drop with that huge <sighs> blaring score, it's I knew I was in. It's, yeah, and it's, be. I mean, makes me think of Man on the Moon, weirdly. Um, where, because that, that's built, because that has that, that R.E.M. song, like, built for built for the film, which has the lyrics of, like, pushing the elephant up the stairs and that, that becoming, like, 
metaphorical for struggles. This this movie opening with someone that's just like trying to drag an elephant up a hill <laughs> and being like, yeah, this is this is this is a nice moment of like, yes, this is the movie of like the ridiculous and the success that we are trying to like drag and drag and will get done by hook or by crook. Um, what do we think about the singing in the rain stuff then? Because I have I have I've heard some people be sniffy about um, the on the nose pointers to sing in the rain which it then shows in the rain and goes back to it and the dangers of alluding to films that are basically perfect i think it's almost necessary i mean because yeah I mean, it, I, yes. like if you watch this movie you know that it's doing the same thing as singing in right. the rain and like i feel like you you have to address it somehow and i think the way it does it is great i mean all these yeah. moments mirroring what happens in the movie and then he sees it at the end of the movie and sees how his life is reflected on the screen and how it's been romanticized and how maybe the worst parts are kind of washed away yes. there. There's yeah, that, I think 100%. Really yeah, and I, the thing that kept sticking in, in my head is, obviously it's a film about film, but this is this is like the movie of movies. This is movies as a movie. Like It is so right. just like big and brash and loud and wonderful, but it's also so good at balancing pushing forward and pulling back like it, it's so good in every sequence of this is outrageous and could be voyeuristic and could be like exoticized and then it knows exactly how to take something out so right in the beginning you're in this like and the, the word back in alien has come up a lot um and this like wild orgiastic like party right and the, it cuts to a scene you're like oh for god's sake and so you well oh, we, oh, we can talk spoilerific i forget sometimes so <laughs> it's, it's like, true we just, just spoil you know, things here <laughs> just like new ladies everywhere about like this like very traditionally attractive like new lady and this kind of like larger gentleman and it's like oh this kind of movie and then she just pisses on him and i was like okay okay movie <laughs> okay do, do you I know who that uh larger gentleman like is it like i mean that this is based on a one of many hollywood legends that's fatty Arbuckle, okay. more or less <laughs> okay okay yeah interesting uh, who uh I, I don't remember exactly the details of the story, but like he was there seemed to he seemed to be involved in the death of somebody at a party and William Randolph Hearst made a big deal about it, put it in the papers, like ruined his name and everything. That yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the whole Fatty Arbuckle thing is just one of many Hollywood legends that appears in this movie. Yeah, there's just I, like that I mean that's great to know cuz like there's so much going on in this movie that like mm. I really and I think that's probably why like it ends it's it's ended up being so like not popular like among the I think people which is being like i don't to it. i mean i don't I think people are being so unfair to it i think i think so, so like, too but it's like I've i wonder reviews like... that i'm like because eh, like people talking about it being like somewhat simplistic or like like oh not at like all like Bel- <laughs> Bel- belfasty and it's been like oh film and it's <laughs> that's like, rad. I, what a terrible comparison it, it, it makes me feel like like a, like an asshole but i'm it, there's probably been like if you knew more about film you'd realize this film knows more about film than you do <laughs> like it is oh yeah i think so <laughs> I, yeah like especially like people who are watching this and haven't seen seen singing in the rain like we were saying like yeah they're I mean, you could watch what you want. I don't want to gatekeep too much, but yeah. uh, at some point you should probably explore the history. Of yeah, I mean, I mean, like, Stephen, you're talking about, like, people criticizing, like, the inclusion of it. But, like, I don't think the movie works at all without that. I mean, because yes. then if you don't have that inclusion where, like, what Matt was saying, where, like, he has this realization of, like, the cinema, like, romanticizing all of this, this horrible shit he's been through. And yeah. It's like if you don't include that in the movie, then you just then you're not getting yeah. that full I, deconstruction of it. 
And, and, and from that point, though, it was such this lovely wraparound of being like, films are important because they are important to people. And it's like, right. it's great to show that, like, the, the stuff that goes on, the chaos in the background. And for a film that is so much marketed as the Damien Giselle film, and we, we are guilty of this because, of course, we are, because it's easy shorthand of, like, Damien Giselle, blah, 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 it's his movie. This is such a good film for showing just, like, the myriad complicated figures that come together to make a film that like anyone yeah. alters like the star is really important at this point and then the sound person is the most important person and then this producer is the most important purpose person it's so good at like the warring relationships of film sets and that being like a battle um i thought a lot about a thing that matt said when watching it um which is an off-the-cuff thing matt said once i think of i think of often actually when um you watched uh, napoleon um and a thing that you said is it's a reminder of like I think you're, the exact thing was like how much we lost when we went to sound. Oh yeah, I mean because like, I mean it, it's shown explicitly in the movie. Like there's that hectic yeah. day on the outdoor yeah. set with Spike Jones, which is trying to get that such such a phenomenal made. scene. And then you know just like a couple scenes later, you're trapped in that studio where everybody has to wear rubber soles. You can't change anything. Yeah. And, like, I, and there is something lost there. It's not. I really recovered yeah. in Hollywood for uh, 10 years. If I'm being charitable, like you could say, okay, maybe yes. back in swing by wizard of Oz or something, but yeah. And Western I mean, Front. maybe in t- even until the fifties with like the, like big epics, like a uh, beat a mill redoing um, 10 commandments or Ben Hur. Mm. And like it takes a while for those epics to really get back in the swing that you could see in the silent era. It shows it as such like a fertile, creative, expressive place where you can be a certain type of person, and it it, it ties that to the more like prosaic story of being like anyone can win Hollywood. And it's just it's just not that movie. It's very much about like gross underlayers and the work yeah. that happens, the exploitation that happens. But it is a very good way of showing here's the way that film was and it will not be. And then when it gets to the end, I really love the ending sequence. I do want to talk about it because it's full of such really cool so stuff. Good. It is a really good showing of being like technology does drive film forward in key ways, but things can get lost in the pushing forwards oh, of technology. Yeah. Like it, film is like at the whims of technological change in a way that we don't even realize sometimes. And that can be really divisive and that leaving out. But this film, its existence, and it is great that it is in cinemas alongside Avatar, another like yeah. three and a bit hour movie. That is taking up the same time, the same screens, etc. On the same same screen, like, that'd be wild. Um, <laughs> I wish it was taking up the same screens. It, it it is this great argument for this kind of like a multiplicity of cinema exists yeah. and can exist, and there are different ways to make films and different kind of films to be seen. Oh, it's just a it, I, it's, yeah, I, words. I find it I find it really fascinating because I feel like the performance of Babylon is almost like a weird like it ends up like supporting a lot of the claims that babylon is making like i think like i think there's so much in babylon about like what is lost with like the commercialization of cinema and stuff like and it's the exact same thing like this movie doesn't really have much interest in like being that kind of movie it's not like popular cinema in that same way but like and then it doesn't succeed and it's like i don't think chazelle cares at all and i'm glad that he doesn't care at all but it's like it's so interesting to me that that's exactly what the movie about, and then that exact same thing happens to it. It's like it's, nothing's changed, really. Yeah, no, no. I, 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 I'm glad this movie will make its money back, um, which is which is what matters realistically. This movie yeah. will, will 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 break even. It doesn't. Will it? Need... I think I think so. I, I, I think I thought it was a. I thought the numbers were a huge flop at the box office. Uh, but if, if if we include like the tale of it and like and future stuff, I think 
I think the movie will 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 will. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, um, but I I hope that it at least breaks it. It's not going to make money money. Um, it's a shame because I think if this wasn't Damon Giselle, I think people would like it more. Genuinely, I think just people want to just like the Damon Giselle movie, and and they're doing so. Yeah, I'm and... surprised like the Wolf of Wall Street crowd isn't giving this the love that they give that movie. Yeah, that movie sucks, and they love that movie. It's movie <laughs> great. Yeah, it's it's oh man, it's it's really interesting. I mean, I wonder how much of it is like is just being released like next to Avatar and like people not being interested and like if they're gonna go mm-hmm. because most people it's like they're not seeing everything that comes out and it's like if I'm gonna go see a three hour movie, I'm probably gonna go see Avatar if I'm just you know an, an everyday person um, and not see this excessive it's in the UK thing. as well because our age ratings are different and um, therefore I think Babylon's gonna do even worse in the UK because we have the eighteen rating which is is obviously very restrictive and Babylon is an 18 like a, a three hour and a bit like 18 yeah. rated film that's cutting down a lot of audience there and I love that because like it, it is it is not limiting itself um but 12s and 15s make money 18s historically don't yeah this is a movie that was affected by the pandemic and its production uh like Emma Stone okay. was going to be oh. the lead and I, I wonder what that movie would have been like because I feel like she can't she wouldn't have played the same character no. like Margot Robbie does. So like, I, I can't imagine. It. Man, that that first scene where Margot Robbie is like on set and the like the crying stuff. Like, I can't imagine Emma Stone brilliant. doing that same thing. That scene is is so good. I was. I think that was like the that whole like. I mean, I love the whole party scene at the very beginning, but yes. like the the production stuff of like all of these different films being made at like the same time and just like cutting back and forth and like it just is so fluid and flawless like i think i just totally was like in love with it at that point yeah no me, me too definitely and I, but then you've got your weird like confluences over the time and again the montage at the end like shows that film is film is film of yeah. you've got people just dying on set and it not yeah. mattering and then later when you get to the the sound film when the camera operator just dies it's just like yeah I mean, yeah that, just... and that just like happens and then it moves i mean that happens several times in the movie where it's like people just yeah. die and then it just moves on and it's like that's we were, i was talking to because calvin and i saw it together and like he was kind of talking about that after the movie where he's like i wish mm. there had been like more time because like these characters we spend so much time with just kind of disappear and i'm like but that's just i love that yeah. i i find that to be you know reflective of the way that you know film exists and the world exists it's just like people just kind of disappear sometimes and the world moves on faster than you think it does and you just there there's often not that period of just like thinking about people that have just gone from this stuff the people that were not that long ago like hugely important yeah i, I, I like the wanted... part when gene smart pretty much just looks into the camera and explains one of the theses of the film that, <laughs> where she's talking to brad pitt oh says, i love oh, yeah. that scene. that's yeah. fantastic like yeah, you you're, you're losing popularity now, but in fifty years, someone will put your pull your yeah. movie off the shelf and uh, you'll live again. Like, I love right. how the, the cockroach speech is absolutely incredible. Um, like, is it is a very poetic way of being like this is a thing that the film is about, which is usually a thing that I hate, but like it is it is put forward so well. Um, I just think as a collection of character portraits, I think all of them are really really good. Yeah, really um, good. And I was intrigued by the humanity and just like the literal. I've, I've never been a huge Margot Robbie believer um, before. Um, I think because she's often cast in roles I dislike, even when yeah, I'm like, oh, she's good, but like I find Harley Quinn so goddamn annoying, for example. <laughs> totally I don't fair. like don't like the big shorts at all. I hate Wolf of Wall Street. So it's like, I'm sure you're great, but your films aren't for me. And in this, I was like, no, I get it. She's absolutely yeah. incredible. 
really, really I don't want to like Brad Pitt for obvious reasons, but he is very, very good in this he, film. Yeah, he does a great job with that character. He, he totally understands what that character is. Manny is the uh, heart of the film for me. I think just his through line is just spectacular, and he's he would be my best supporting. Just like just give him whatever. Sorry, did, Matt. did you find the you know homework movies valuable that I, I told yes. you to watch? Yeah, with uh, Joan Crawford and which one? Did, was it our modern, our, our modern maidens that you watched, or our dancing yes. daughters? Yeah. Yes, I watched our modern maidens. I, I said so this is a question I had to have because I, again, this goes back to me sounding like a like a gatekeeping arsehole of like if you were more into film, you'd like this more. But I think it's more like this film really rewards you for being enamored with a certain era of film, and it's a certain era of film that's talked about a lot in a general way, but not really engaged with much. And that is, you know, Hollywood golden age silent film. And I know that that, that Matt loves that stuff. I have come to absolutely adore that stuff, um, but Vaughn, you're not you're not not against that stuff by any means, but it's not really an area that, that hugely fascinates you. No, I mean, I guess I would I should say like not yet because I imagine yeah. that it it will be something. It's just like not a corner that I've gotten to. But I think like seeing Babylon like definitely has made me want to seek that stuff out more. Like I know yeah. that that stuff is so important, and like I need to to spend the time to explore that stuff more. Um, and then I'll, you know, revisit Babylon, and I'm sure love it even more. Because I, 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 I do like the films. Don't get me wrong, but I'm much more fascinated by it as a period in time. I love reading about it. Um, I like watching the films where I've watched them and like how they connect. I love the, the whole like star idea. I just like the model of Hollywood that time. I find fascinating, and I felt really rewarded by the film for doing that of going into and watching those films and knowing who that linked to. Um, the Thief of Baghdad, I was really glad that I watched that beforehand. I did not love the movie, but I was very impressed by it. And then seeing Brad Pitt and being like, ah, no, you're that. That that was really, really okay. useful. And if you're going to watch one film before it, I would say it is the film to watch because the film is like so... The whole idea that Claire Bow... Is it Bow or Bow? I think it's Bow. I, I would say Bow. I, I, I think Bow. Do you want to whole idea... a, a year for that film? Nineteen twenty-seven. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Several sort of iterations of a film it. called It. <laughs> it because yeah. the whole premise of that film is that she's got it, it that ineffable it, like okay. sex appeal, presence, whatever. And this is so good at being like Margot Robbie also has it, and right. she has it, and this film is just. Again, it really rewards you for caring about that stuff. And I do really care about that stuff. And that's why I think that I really, really love this film. I'm like, I love this era of film. I do think that something was lost from the moving on from it. Because I fundamentally think, as I think Demi Giselle thinks, of it didn't need to be one or the other. Of yeah. We could have used the expressive language of silent cinema in accordance with, but the fact that audiences just want things to change. And I love the scene so much, when, which we've referenced that, that interview scene, when she just says breaking down that um that brad pitt the i love you i love you bit which is the singing the rain bit and being like there's nothing you've done differently it's not the scene it's not your act in the film they are just done with you yeah and there did come a point where just all this were like we we don't want this anymore we want this new thing and again like technology guiding film be careful with that stuff because things will get lost all the way and the question of, like do you miss the silence yes yes i do um and it's a shame and uh chazelle gives a very pointed uh, opinion about the technology's impact on film in that final montage mm -hmm. so the first half of that montage it's standard film history from lumiere <sighs> de Melier to yeah you got dreyer uh, in there as well yeah uh Bunuel, griffith you know all, all standard stuff until the 60s yes. and then it hangs on fin du cinema from yes uh, Godard. and then the rest <laughs> of the movie is only movies that are important to the development of cgi 
Yes. So uh, yeah, he has some opinions about how CGI is I, affecting Hollywood, I think. I, and and I think the film exists as its own statement on that, really interestingly. I think yeah. the way I read it is it's not saying that this is the end of cinema. I think it's saying that just, again, other things are possible and there is another way of we don't have to be just this. Cinema is not just this and it can be other things. And we do lose things when we only make cinema this thing. And I, dare I say, call me Martin Scorsese. Call me it. But I agree. <laughs> Oh, I, I mean, I think I totally agree as well. It, it's, yeah, I mean, I, the movie works for all of us, I think, for for a reason. And it's everything that he's saying I, is, is hard to disagree with, I think. I mean, if you were just sat at home one day and just being like, I wonder what it looked like if Scorsese um, directed Day for Night. Well, now you know. Oh, man, Day for Night's so good. <laughs> I just, now I just, <laughs> just want to watch Day for Night again. Just, <laughs> yeah. just, like, there you go. Uh the the films in the montage at the end again great montage do you feel they picked the wrong jurassic park clip <laughs> we all know I what you want to say you might feel that way <laughs> i uh, just imagine just humor me for a second if that clip from jurassic park 3 <laughs> just the velociraptor saying alan was, I mean, was the clip they went for that would make his point better you'd be like no this has gone too far i don't i don't know if that would make his point better i don't think you can I think omit so. i don't think you can omit the original jurassic park from that montage that would be I'm, very you're strange not, you're not omitting it you're including jurassic park <laughs> the wrong one a different one you can have both i'll, I'll have both okay both yeah yeah, and just again, I mean, I know that I'm very known, but yeah, that that that, that avatar bit tickled me so much. It tickled me so much. I feel, I think oh. I had that thought, like even in the theater watching it, when like Avatar came up, and I was like, oh god, like <laughs> <laughs> I know this is gonna be like the thing. <laughs> this is my tar moment. I'm just gonna just attach to this and talk about it forever. Um, the Tobey Maguire sequence needs to be talked about. Because, I mean, that's the film when it's most Boogie Nights is, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, that was immediately, like, when he shows up, I'm like, oh, it's the it's the Alfred Molina scene. And it's like, it, it, but it's like, it's somehow, like, going. even more, like, unhinged and insane. Like, yeah, crocodile just, eating people. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> just, it's such a perfect scene for me because it, it's just so intense and it is so interesting and it is very, very funny. I do love that prop guy. I think it's a great performance. And just that conversation they have when it's like, no, he makes this money. No, he makes it. Right. No, he literally <laughs> makes this money. It's probably Yeah, it's like such a good realization of like, oh, we are absolutely fucked. <laughs> that that side yeah. character is a fun guy. I mean, he pops up He's... like in a bunch of places throughout yeah. the movie. He starts with selling those uh, peanuts with pills <laughs> to Margot Robbie at the beginning. So good. <laughs> He's just a wannabe who really wants to be an actor. <laughs> but just this film is just yes, it is a whole hodgepodge of sequences, but they all so fluidly fit together. Actually my stealth i think favorite sequence and i was very very nervous when it started happening is so i forgive me but i can't remember the name of the actor i should do that plays the trumpeter uh well the character is sydney palmer yeah the actor is uh jovan adepo Yo jovan adepo i don't know okay yeah, yeah another, I, know, I, know what, I know what scene you're talking about. Yeah. Another stunning performance. In, so there, there are a few scenes with it. I think his his free line is brilliant. And I love the way the camera just wants to go up his trumpet constantly. Yeah, it like, does. <laughs> oh, it's so great. It's yeah, like that's like, no way. Just like, bam, no, I'm going to get in this trumpet. Like, get in that trumpet. 
yeah it's it's i mean it's amazing I'll, I'll let you like discuss that that scene in particular but like mm. it's it really is amazing like how many of those like little stories there are that are just like woven throughout and it's just like you don't even really like think about it but then like there's he has like this whole arc and then like it's like such a it works so well with like just so many different stories being woven yeah, together I... I watched D.W. Dorf Griffith's Intolerance today that tries to thread stories together. <laughs> did not like that movie very much. Um, but no, this one, immensely so. Um, so yeah, so there's, there's the, the scene partway through where it does the... You're pointing the camera the wrong way. And I l- love that bit completely. Yeah. And then they break into like a, a different kind of cinema. And, and, and that's awesome. But obviously the scene is the... And a content warning for racism... Is, is is the blackface scene of yeah. the, again, the practicalities of technology driving forward film and the thing that's been spoken about a lot. And even Goddard spoke about this. Like, Goddard, there's a great letter from Goddard that he wouldn't use a particular brand of Kodak film, I think, because of, like, how skin tone was replicated by it. If he just, like, this this film is racist and I'm not using it um, because certain colours just did not come out correctly um, or, or adequately. And there is a long history of the lighting of basically non-white actors right. of white lighting is is basically whiting if it's built around just like a, that complexion to make it look as good as possible and the lighting setup because there are people of dark complexion in the scene makes this character look paler by comparison and manny <laughs> puts forward the thing of being like well you're gonna have to black up basically and because you've seen and because i watched the jazz singer like, <laughs> like, like the day before and you're so used to those films, if you're like me, and we're like, oh, they don't have blackface scenes in them, they have the blackface preparation scene in them as well. That's such a staple of the thing. And seeing him do that, and then the pained expression as he does just yeah. one of those amazing trumpet solos, and then just the code of being yeah. the, I'm never coming back here again, yeah. of, no, I'm doing this for the film, let's get the film made, and I'm never coming back again, was just a phenomenal, phenomenal sequence. Really, really impactful. A great way of showing that this is why this is a problem. This is why power yeah. dynamics is the issue. And yeah, oh, amazing. And and it's I, not I really... outright stated in the movie, but the film actually doesn't end up getting made, right? Because Nellie is missing and they can't find her during that production. Like, that's, whole, that's all happening while the blackface is happening, isn't it? So, like, his oh, he yeah. does the scene and then they can't even find Nellie and so it all goes to shit. Even if even if that's not explained explicitly, I I think that's what happens. No, I think I think you're right, and I wonder like how the um, part of like what can make a, a lot of things like difficult is like all of the the discourse that exists before a film is actually available yeah. for anybody to see, and I wonder how much of that like contributed to various reactions to this film because before the film came out, and like even before I was able to see it, like there. Yeah. Were, all of the early reactions and there were all these articles and of course it's just like you know sensationalized headlines but i remember it's just like people rattling off like the big moments of the movie in like the most like reductive way and it's just like this movie has elephant shit and blackface and people are like oh like immediately jumping to like how could this movie be okay if it has that in it and then like watching the movie and being like oh well it's very intentional because that is something that was, you know, happening in cinema and it's like comment directly commenting yeah. on it and it's very critical of it and it's but I wonder like how many people going into it are just assuming it's it's not going to be okay and then that being their reaction to it. I think you're totally right because I mean I haven't seen the artist in a long time. Um but I think otherwise you get a film like the artist that's just been like this like rosy portrait to be like silent cinema and blah 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 but like no the the industry around the stuff is, is horrendous. Right. And if you don't directly engage with it. But I like that it presents characters in opposition to that. It presents 
the rise of a female star. It presents the rise of a Mexican American just like person yeah. that becomes this like producer. Like it, it has these ascents, and it doesn't. I mean, we've got to be careful as I think storytellers and like filmmakers and like culture producers of making sure that not every story about marginalized identity is only about marginalization. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it just becomes just a legacy of oppression, oppression, oppression. So I've had this conversation in school in curriculums of being like, the only time when queer people, when non people appear in a curriculum is when they're being oppressed. And that's a problem of we are not celebrating existence. We are just like spotlighting oppression. And it's important to look at those moments, not the only moments. Right. So I've seen some critique of being like, the film doesn't, uh, doesn't mention racism. And then it just, I was like, it's, it is... <clears throat> so much stuff in the background right is so aware of the systems there is one bit where i dislike the film um which links to a, a, an email later and i'm sure this person's based on a person and i'm sure it, it's like the licorice pizza thing remember in the licorice pizza discourse of, of pta being like but this scene happened i'm like i don't right. care if it happened i don't need it in the film and it's in that otherwise brilliant um sound film sequence when the guy goes on that very very explicit anti-semitic rant i was like did not need that in the film just did not need that. Um, For some reason, that I just don't have a memory of that. But yeah, no, I, I know it, what you mean. I've, it's a, it's a lot. That one. Yeah, I, it, and it was like, and like Emma just told me, just like I did not. I was like, no, no, same. Like it's just it's this like very focused like verbal assault, just like just just slinging together anti-Semitic stereotypes. I'm like, again, I'm sure it's based on a person that said those things, but doesn't need in the film. But apart from that. I did like the fronting of the characters and being cognizant of the systems around them, but not defining them by being oppressed. Yeah. If I that mean, makes it, sense. I, I think that the film does such a good job of like outlining the, what these people and these characters went through without like the film shouldn't mm. have to like, you know, look into the lens and tell you that racism is bad. You know, yes. like it doesn't need to do those things. It's, it's I think not it's very, intolerance. <laughs> I think it does a very good job of illustrating all of that stuff without, you know, having to state it directly. I don't think that it should have to state it directly. If you're a, you know, yeah. watching the film and can understand it on your own. Yeah. And, and just the balance. I mean, I think it's a hilarious film. I laughed oh, it consistently, <laughs> but it is again, like, like a good PTA film. It is able to, to just get very, very real, very, very quickly in yeah. just like really emotive ways. And I think the um, Brad Pitt character is very, very good at that, of is like this larger than life figure of fun, sad sack idiot. And it goes from him doing silly speeches about being like, push the art forward, blah, blah. And we realize what that, what's that used for? It becomes really tragic. Yeah. And that conversation with his then wife, the Catherine Waterston character, after oh, yeah. his friend dies by suicide is really really touching of being like yeah. him having that speech at her that isn't really for her but is for him it's it's so good at those moments so good she's a really interesting character she reminded me a lot yeah. of um re-watching singing in the rain i was thinking of like the connection between her and um the character the actress whose name is escaping me right now um why am i i think i have to pull this up gene gene kelly yes <laughs> um no debbie reynolds character um just like at the beginning being like very like the, her whole character being like against film and being a, a theater performer um similarities there but again i think people take that for granted i think people take the status of film in the 21st and late 20th century for, for granted and we do yeah. need more stuff that shows that this is in the same way that the conversations about video games have thankfully got better now, but like, God, the early 2000s was just a slope and like, oh, games are like, oh, shut up, who cares? Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's unimportant. Um, it was imp well, you know what I mean? 
but yeah, putting those conversations on screen, I think, it, it is is worthwhile in the historical portrait. Oh, good movie. I'm so. Oh. I'm very glad that you uh, had a great time with it, because it I, is a fantastic, and I'm very excited for when it is available for me to watch it again. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a mat, and I'm gonna go see it again if I can. <laughs> I don't know if I can find the time, unfortunately, but I'm very, very wanting to see it again because yeah. those opportunities I mean, are gone stateside. I think. Yeah, like it's all out of all theaters everywhere. It's just something else. It's one of the things that I want from film. I've just like it. It's large. It's involving. I find it really emotive and resonant. I teared up a bit at the ending because, like, genuinely, it was a bit less like cinema is very powerful and very important to me. Um, And the singing in the rain scene was great. And when it just you're sat there watching a film in a cinema and it starts to show the people in the cinema. Oh yeah, just I I love silent film. I love classic film. I love contemporary film. Just uh love Godard. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, that I do. And I, 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 like, I, I, yeah. And it does the Tim's My Space Odyssey, like, freak out thing in it, and you've yeah. got 2001 in there, and then it does the whole just, like, ah, oh, and just reminding you that, that silent film was technology advanced, because all the dying processes, and then it does, like, the Napoleon just, like, yeah. red, white, blue, that then, obviously, Godard takes as well, and I'm like, again, the more you know, and the more you care, the more this film gives back. And if you really love a certain strand of cinema, and you can put up with the kind of like virtuosic flourishes of Chazelle, I don't know why you wouldn't love this film. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I And I mean, it really does like reward that knowledge. And like, that's why like I want to learn more and watch more and then, you know, come back and revisit this because I can imagine that I will just only be able to enjoy all of yeah. those little things more. So a big thank you to Matt and a big thank you to David for giving me some recommendations of watches for this because like, I know I, I, I like a silent movie. Um, oh, we've not mentioned the, the, Anime Wong character. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, Lady Faye. Utterly brilliant. Yeah, Lady Faye is just in, 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 like, the most like on the nose, like, this is so clearly this person. But. Yeah, but the, they don't even. She's not an actress in Babylon, though. Like, she works on the. Yeah, no, true. Yeah. True. Actually, that's a good point. And somehow has a very cohesive, coherent arc that goes through it. Yeah, she and, probably gets yeah. the least screen time of like the main five or yeah, six so. arcs if you include gene smart's critic or not whatever but yeah it, it does a good job with her she just uh, shows up at the end in the party ties everything together wish there was maybe yeah. a bit more of her and sydney palmer in the movie in general yeah i agree that yeah. they are absolutely brilliant um but it, it is so good at uh, Get, keeping arcs going and, and, and swapping between them and, and still keeping it utterly compelling at every point. But I could have easily watched a longer film. You're not getting a longer film in cinemas, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, but, no. <laughs> Director's cut, maybe, someday. I would, I would absolutely yeah, I, watch that. I would watch four hours of this film happily. I would just... I just did not want it to, to be over at all. Um, yeah, it's just like... It's so, so transporting. It's, it's so driving the whole time. And like, I think the score mm. is such a big part of that. It's yes. just like there's so much energy to it. And so like you just like don't feel like the length of it. It's just... It just carries you through the whole thing. And then there's that goddamn party scene that's absolutely incredible. Which which party scene? <laughs> like the, <laughs> the, the opening or in the middle? Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the upper crust fancy party scene. Oh, got, yes. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Brad Pitt's trying to find out about himself, and then the Margot Robbie character just like just can't do this. And I don't usually like vomit humor in movies at all. Good vomit humor. Oh, very good. It's it's well earned in that scene. That, uh, yeah, that it, scene's inc- fantastic. Incredibly earned. Um, yeah, what a picture. What a photograph. Oh, Babylon. I absolutely adore it. One of my favorite films of the year, easily. Very glad. All right. So, is that any any more final thoughts on Babylon before we move on? All right. 
Well then. Looks great, sounds great, is great. Is great. So, got several emails here. Let's get into some listener mail now. first email is from Murph. Thanks for writing in, Murph. Welcome back to the show. Um, don't a reminder leave... that Murph can be found on the um, This Podcast is a Bad Idea. Check out, if you like Murph's emails, check out Murph's podcast. There you go. Uh, don't leave the house spoilers. It's Murph. I kind of <laughs> really want to see Skinamarink, even though I know I'll hate it. Probably not in the this is slow and boring kind of way, but then why did I put this in my brain kind of way? I used to have a hard time staying asleep as a kid, and I would often wake in the night and be disturbed by the shapes I'd see form in the dark. I used to refuse laying on my stomach or on my right side because that would put my back to the room. So Skinamarink seems to play on these very similar fears I had. But there seems to be a divide with people that I find that find it the scariest thing ever and people that find it boring as hell. Uh, we are all in the second camp. <laughs> yeah. Um, my first guess is the movie is too long for this particular type of horror. Yes, it is. But I wonder if there is a divide based on how active a viewer's imagination is. If I ask you to close your eyes and imagine an apple, what do you see? My first... Oh, no, I once asked my friend this, and he said he could only pull up a grayscale JPEG of an apple, whereas I could see that apple hanging on a branch, swaying in the breeze, being picked off and thrown in a basket, etc., that same friend always expresses boredom at movies like Paranormal Activity and other films that utilize stillness. If Skinamarink truly is just shots <laughs> and shadows on a wall. films about stillness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to talk about like Bellatar or whatever. I'm going to go for Paranormal Activity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing Murph's you know, friend doesn't see any Bellatar, but I don't know. You've got I, like I wanna... elephants sitting still. <laughs> you've got <laughs> Paranormal Activity, uh, the ghost dimension, whatever it's called. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Uh, if Skinamarink truly is just shots of shadows on a wall, which it pretty much is, uh, again, haven't it's seen like, it. It's yet. like Plato's Cave. I don't even know what that. <laughs> 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 um, maybe you need that kind of overactive child imagination to truly get the director's vision. Yeah, they didn't put a movie in there. You have to make your own. That's a problem. Yeah, I think that. It, I mean, I to to address your sort of like visualizing an apple thing. Like, I do think I could. I have a very like clear like mind's Ooh. eye picture kind of thing that i can do but like this movie i don't think that imagination really has anything to do with it at least for my experience i don't itself. know about you yeah. guys yeah though i will say murph um thank you for listening um but if you are scared of going to sleep don't watch this film it will send you to sleep it's, it's <laughs> oh, okay <'cause... laughs> okay <fair>. yeah <laughs> um but i mean maybe i mean i think that what you are saying murph though is a lot of what I see the positive reviews being like that sort of childlike fear. So maybe you will get something out of it, but I, to me, it is just shadows on a wall and I don't think it's very interesting or entertaining. Yeah. From what um, I hear from people who like the movie, it's, it's sounds like they're succeeding in you know, astral projecting back to a younger version of themselves <laughs> and having that younger version watch the movie. I don't know, but Maybe I, I can see the Apple Two, but I guess I can't relive my, uh, <laughs> the Apple yeah, Two. The Apple Two was a popular computer when I was younger. So there you go. Yeah. Um, anyway, I feel I should ask a question because I haven't asked one in a while. When you were a child, what was something that scared the crap out of you, but you find benign now? When I was a kid, I hated watching the Casper movie because of that moment where Bill Pullman looks in the mirror and turns into a rotting corpse. Now that I'm older, I realize he specifically turns into the Crypt Keeper from Tales of the Crypt, and I think it's just a weird reference to make. That'll be all, Murph. 
Um, I have still never revisited the Don Bluth movie All Dogs Go to Heaven because it terrified me so much as a child. Um, maybe it still would. I'm guessing it wouldn't, but I don't want to. I don't want. I mean, maybe it would. I don't want to put that on you. Um, and, what What comes to mind for me is I used to be so terrified of E.T. when the when the government came in is, to, you to take you extra e. by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no, that yeah, that that scene in E.T. scared the scared the hell out of me when all the guys in the suits came in. It's good to be scared of the government. That's good. You like well, you're right. <laughs> The problem is not the illegal aliens. The problem is the government. That's the, there you go. E.T. E.T. Matt, what are you scared of? What am I scared of? I don't know. Folk, folk horror can like get under my skin sometimes. Uh, yeah. I don't know. If, like, um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, I don't really get scared by movies. I, I think I've mostly desensitized myself at this yeah. point <laughs> Matt and I are such massive chads that it's just really hard for us to like to think in this way but yeah sorry yeah, but thank you for the email Murph there was this one film when this train arrived at the station that freaked me out <laughs> <laughs> um, okay it was, email you know, what nothing do you want to continue with that <laughs> No, I mean, I could, but I won't. Um, we do have quite a few emails to get through, so I don't want to take too much time. Um, we have an email from our friend Kev. Thanks for emailing in. Hello, Kev. Um, I'm big on black exploitation films, though sometimes I tend to take breaks in between many marathons. Which black exploitation? Good. Have you otherwise, seen? you are marathoning forever, Kev. It is good. <laughs> <to take breaks. laughs> um, which black exploitations have you seen that have stuck with you? Any that have piqued your interest that got mentioned in the film? And then he has some recommendations, but I'll let you guys answer this question first. So, in terms Ooh, of, I... go ahead, Stephen. Um, yeah, because I'm I'm not as versed as I should be is what that documentary very much showed me. Um, but the one that is on the fringe, dare I say, and I'm becoming that arsehole that goes because it's arty, it's on the fringe. Um, Gandron Hess of Jenny oh, yeah. watching it twice in one evening because I was like, I don't get this. And I watched and it again. I, I really like, get oh, this. Yeah. Oh, I get this, and that 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 film has has stayed in my head because because it is that kind of like ethereal brain stuff for me that, that keeps going. So yeah, that 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 film for me is just phenomenal, and yeah, sticks in my head forever ones that probably both stick in my head are more predecessors to black exploitation than black exploitation okay. proper maybe like uh so putney swope and watermelon man are my choices there mm. uh like they're they're not like action movies they don't they're not genre offerings like you would normally expect from uh like how you normally describe this genre but uh yeah watermelon is about it's a melvin van peebles movie and uh Godfrey Cambridge is a white man who suddenly wakes up one day and discovers he's movie. white and deals with him realizing uh, how racist in- institutions and people can be towards yeah. people of color. And then uh, Putney Swope is by Robert Downey Sr. And it's about a black man becoming the head of an advertisement agency and uh, changing the way that things are run there. And that's more of a straightforward comedy, I guess, satire of business. I, like I, I need to watch that. The, the joy yeah, of watching too. the documentary with, with Emma is occasionally a film would come up and I'm like, oh, I've seen this. And she's like, it looks great. I was like, it is great. And, I was like, <laughs> and that, that, that Watermelon Man sequence, so she was like, this looks awesome. I'm like, it's a really awesome movie. And now she's very excited to watch to watch that. And we're going to watch we're gonna watch Shaft, because we've both not seen Shaft. Oh, I need to watch that to as watch. well. Yeah, I, it's, it's a genre I am very, um, unfortunately, unfamiliar with and need to watch more of. I, I mean... I would agree with Stephen that that Ganja and Hess is like the one for me yeah. of the stuff that I've seen. It's just like really, really uh, brilliant and one that I think about a lot. 
Um, my, but... my issue is that exploitation films often dive into similar tropes that I just don't like in film. Um, and like Superfly, for example, is one I really, really enjoy. And then towards the end, like, ah, this is now just really homophobic. And that that does come in your exploitation fringe genres. That's just going to happen a lot, um, which does put me off sometimes. But that's, that's not unique to black exploitation by any means. That is just right. a, an exploitation thing. Um, so, plus some recommendations of films I loved and would love to eventually Thank talk you. to you about. Um, so he's got a, a short list here. Uh, Louis yeah. Dynamite, Young Blood, Trouble Man, Disco Godfather, Uptight, oh. Black Samson, and The Mac. Um, Sounds so, awesome. I, I will get yeah. around to watching those when I can. Thank Good you. to I have some, what... some direction since I need to jump into that genre more. I started watching Sweet Sweet Back and I need to get right back around to watching that. I just started watching it before I go to bed and then fell asleep and then just never got around to it. But it, that you've seen that, Matt, haven't you? I, I have. I, I don't love that movie, I but it, it is undeniably important. I mean, it's that, usually it's like... What? That movie starts. Yeah. It's a movie that begins. It does begin in a certain way. But that is mm. the... Maybe it's usually cited as the first black exploitation movie the one that really kicked off everything so yeah i need to watch the rest of it but again euphemistically that movie starts that movie has an opening there is an opening to that film it begins it does Hmm. (laughs) i am outside of this conversation i got i got nothing um (laughs) uh thank you for emailing in kev um great Rex, thank you if you could send me those in a message kev so the list i would love to make a list and get through those thank you very much um i can i can uh, send that list oh, to you guys kev you know um, what they do that awesome. <laughs> i got it um so an email from mall my wife who is a <gasps> question is um, right here what <laughs> I, don't oh, I don't even what oh my god <laughs> um so i'm slowly watching everyone's top 10 movies that were posted to the website Got to Satin Tango, but before I started, Vaughn gave me a personal trigger warning about the cat scene. I have not seen the movie, but I know about that scene, uh, so I, I told her she might find that. I did the same, to be fair. I knew she was watching it, I did send her a message being like, there is a bit part way through, just skip it. Yeah, and I told her to, uh, to ask you for more details, since I knew yeah. you'd have more information on it. Um, but I did not watch that scene, but it made me wonder what would have happened if Vaughn had not warned me and I had watched that scene. Would it have affected my overall enjoyment of the movie? Have you ever seen a movie where one or more particular scene ruined an entire movie for you? Mine is Nocturnal Animals. I, so, full disclosure of Vaughn sent me a truncated version of this question of just, like, a movie where one or more scenes did that. And one of the films I thought of was that film, but I don't think it's the same scene, um, which is probably going to reflect badly on me. But for me, the opening scene of that film... The opening... I can't remember the the very opening. I really like Nocturnal Animals. I've, I've not. I saw it a couple times in the cinema because I saw it by myself and I saw it again with Emma because we were living at different sides of the country. Um, but the opening scene is just this parade of flesh. Um, it's a lot of women with larger bodies oh, that's uh, being right. presented yeah, yeah. to the camera, but using kind of like horror and creepy language. And like I'm like, mm, what is going on here? And I don't like that bit at all. And I really, really like the rest of the film. But yeah, that I did think of that film. But for that scene, I know there are stuff later that is obviously deeply uncomfortable. But yeah, I know. that opening I know. really put me off. Yeah, I know the scene that she um, was... We were talking about it yesterday. And I know that the scene that really bothers her is later in the in the film. Um, I really, really don't like that movie either. And I, I know you don't. 
I know a lot of people do watch it, and the same thing, we were kind of talking about this, where I was like, I feel like I should revisit it because I know so many people that really like that movie. Um, it's great. But it's like one of those things where I'm like, am I ever going to make time to revisit a film that I don't like at all, like right now? <laughs> like, I don't know if I will. Um, but That's what uh, you need a podcast for, where they make you I just, watch exactly. movies you don't yeah, like. Yeah, then, then right. <laughs> rewatch I Saw the Devil. <laughs> yeah. um, do you have a, an actual answer, though, Stephen? Yeah, I thought this a lot, and a lot of my answers are very boring. Um, there are some like, there's, oh god, Matt, remind me, what's the Fred Astaire movie? Um, uh, I think there are multiple, uh, but probably Holiday Inn. I think it's that one where I'm like, this is great, I'm really loving this. And then there's just like a, a blackface preparation, and I'm like, oh god. Um, I, want, I thought it was like Swing Time or something, maybe it's not, I get them all mixed up. Yeah, um, that, that that too. I mean, Yeah, I uh, yeah, I think it's Swing Time. And I was just like, mm, no, um... So that that's obviously a clear one. There are lots of films where it's just like, oh, and now sexual assault. The, I think for me it's often this should ruin a film for me, and I feel bad that it doesn't. Mm. Um, so I am an on record adorer of the the Evil Dead, um, but I will say oh, the yeah, Evil Dead minus fair. one scene is a right. is a perfect film, but that scene is is awful. Um, Saturn Tango that moment should ruin the film for me, and people like Cody are just like no and. They are correct, and I am wrong. Um, but yeah, yeah Evil I mean, Evil Dead's a good one. I think that was like that scene was like why I originally did not like yeah. the the first movie as much, and haven't seen it in a, in a little while. But yeah, it's it's not a good scene at all. <laughs> my my weird stupid answers are my strange. I don't know. My relationship with violence in film is weird because it it can just go over the line. I'm like nah, right. and weirdly the two anthropophagus films. <laughs> both of them so the first one there is a scene in anthropophagus the beast if you've seen it i was like no not at all um that involves are you talking about the very ending of anthropophagus yeah okay yeah there's a scene that involves a fetus i'm just like nah and there is a scene absurd the sequel to that movie arguably um (laughs) where there is a kill involving an oven that i'm like you don't know why i'm here this is not fun i don't enjoy this um so that's my take. My other take I thought of was there's a couple of Studio Ghibli films that kind of like really? ruin themselves a bit. Um, what's uh, I had the name it, it escapes me. Really lovely late um, Studio Ghibli movie that's about a mother and a daughter and like the past and whatever. I should know the name of it. I can't remember. It's probably a non Miyazaki, and I have not seen it's, most it, of it. Yeah, those, so. it, it is. Uh, I, w- I will look up what that is and get back to it whilst Matt gives his wonderful response. Oh, uh, I guess my responses are sort of similar to Stevens here. I mean, there are a lot of movies with blackface that I have seen. They definitely bring down the movie. Right. Like, uh, although they might not have been that great in the first place. Like, Babes in Arms was a. It's perfectly fine Judy Garland, Mickey Rooney musical, and then the last number has like maybe like 50 or 60 children painted in blackface and oh god yeah uh not not a great ending of that movie that pops up everywhere and then uh some like a lot of horror movies tend to have uh assault in them and those can bring them down uh one that really sticks out to me is sleepaway camp which is a movie i would otherwise love if that was that's my answer was was sleepaway camp was the one that i thought of of like a a, a genuinely a really really good slasher until the final scene and i'm like oh never mind that's really gross (laughs) like it's just yeah the the ending scene really can't be forgiven but i I love the rest of that movie so much i just love that setting of summer camp slashers it's yeah it is like one of the one of the better summer camp slashers but then that that final scene and it's like it's so unfortunate because 
the final scene is also like notwithstanding the content of it like it's such a great final moment and like that scream is like so iconic but like the context surrounding it and and the idea of it just totally totally takes the wind out of the sails there <laughs> yeah steven's still searching for things yeah no so the the, the movie is um, when marnie was there is is the oh, film okay. of this the way that film wraps up i was just like oh that's not the ending i think there are some films i'm like oh this ending is bad and um the film was that i think it's also only yesterday that people really really like and i know that myself and calvin are not huge fans of and is there is the a one scene with um Daenerys Targaryen, or am I? Well, we're still on Ghibli, aren't we? Never mind. I thought you yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's 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 a scene in that film about like familial abuse, where there's this conversation about like arguably the importance for that. I'm just like, mm, no. Um, so oh, that weird. that 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 kind of stuff of yeah. It's it, it's that kind of thing of like it's not saying it, but the film reads as a being like this happened to me and it made me who I am today, and I just I hate that stuff so much. Yeah. Um, and yeah, to go back to Babylon, there was a scene in Babylon that I thought was was heinous, but did not ruin the film. Maybe should have right. done. I don't know. There you go. Awesome. Yeah, and, and, my, and my answer was was Sleepaway Camp. So that's uh, yeah. I, I could probably come up with more, but I felt like that was a, a fitting one where it's like I like that whole movie, and then the end of it, I was like, oh, never mind, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> Um, oh actually i watched signs the other day um kind of signs of when you start to see the aliens you're like oh whatever <laughs> like it the, i really loved the first half of signs and i've seen it before it's like this is really good and i was like oh this sucks i haven't seen signs i've got it's good it's really well made and then there's some bits you're just like okay. oh come on <laughs> go away and a bit of the ending where they talk about like everything happens for a reason including my wife dying you're like oh piss off yeah, it sounds um, like Shyamalan. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and then a, a, a quick uh, additional question from Maul. Um, should movies be better about having specific trigger warnings? Um, I would say yes and no. I mean, I think that generally that is the purpose of like age ratings and stuff is that like that stuff is there and you can seek out that information. But I think people generally don't look at that stuff when you get to a certain point. I can't remember the last time I looked at why a movie was rated anything or what it was even rated. Um but there are movies like, you know, Satin Tango, where it's like, maybe there should be more of a... I think for animal abuse, I think it should yeah. say up front. I know that Mubi does that. I know that because when I watched FIFA Baghdad, there was a... Since I pressed play, it just said there is animal abuse in this film. Okay. I was like, okay, good to know. Yeah, that's uh, good. Matt, what do you, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, when... If we're talking about, like, putting something in theaters, like, I don't know where you would even put those yeah, warnings. Right. But, like, on streaming services, yeah, I mean, it's easy enough to just list some potential yeah. content warnings there does the dog die.com is a really good website for this yeah um and it actually tracks like a hundred or so things so a a friend of mine um juliana um messaged me the other day because she wanted to watch we're all going to the world's fair um which as we all know here is a, a fantastic movie um and uh-huh. she was just like is is there any sex assault in this film and i was like i don't think there is there might be like some like mention of it but i was like i watched it while well, i can't remember and i was like but this website will, will, will tell you um so i like those resources exist um i'm very reticent because just because i don't need something doesn't mean it's not important yeah, of, i i found this out it's gonna sound like a bad person um but like the hardest way of so maybe i should tell the story because it's not my story to tell but so um my wife can be made very, very anxious by movies. Very, very anxious of the uncertainty of stuff. 
Um, yeah. And there was a period where I would, to be honest with myself, get a bit annoyed because I'm like, oh, stop looking up the plot to the film. It's going to be in the film. And now I've realised that that helps her to enjoy films. Right. And that's the way that she can enjoy certain things. We went to see Crawl, of all films, and she left the cinema for like 50 minutes, looked at Wikipedia page, read what happened, came back in, and then was able to enjoy the rest of the movie. And just like, just because this is how I enjoy film, yeah, doesn't mean it's how everyone else enjoys it. So, yeah, I, I'm really glad those things are available. Um and they should be more accessible, I think. Yeah, I agree. It, it should be more accessible and it should be more, you know, like known for where people can go to find that information. Because, yeah, like you said, I mean, I don't think like she even knows like about stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is important for, you know, certain people. Like it's again, same with me. It's like I don't necessarily ever find much need for that stuff, but mm. it is definitely important for other people. And, and that should be easily accessible for other people um, if they need that to enjoy something or to know what they're going into because imdb does it um but that app just sucks to navigate in general and it's always so tied up with spoilers and i'm like i didn't want yeah. to know the plot of the film <laughs> i just want to know is this in it and also people game the stats on imdb because they find it funny so they'll go to like a kid's film and just say this has got horrific violence in it because they find that amusing um annoying. yeah it needs to be you know well curated by yeah, people that are not. doing it with the right intent which yeah I mean, he's yeah, very annoying to navigate. But yeah, does the dog die? You can literally just filter by sexual assault, and it will just say this film does or doesn't have sexual assault in it. Very well, useful. There's some useful resources if that is something that you need. And thank you for emailing it, Maul. Um, and now an email from Jack. <laughs> this email is uh, right for Steven. Uh, Hello, friends. What if Skinnamarink is a secret Cloverfield movie? <laughs> <laughs> I like either, so. <laughs> I like Ten Cloverfield Lane. I don't like Cloverfield the movie. Um, I love the idea of the Cloverfield movie. I mean, yeah, just that again. That idea that any film could have Cloverfield <laughs> right. really entices me. I was kind of annoyed, I guess, that Babylon didn't include Clover in its <laughs> little thing, so I couldn't say it's a Cloverfield movie. Um, that would have would be brilliant. But yeah, I mean, Ascari could be a Cloverfield movie. There's too much noise. Too much noise. I can't tell. You would, have, you would have no idea. There could be anything happening outside those shadowy walls. Could be a monster in a film, you know? Could be that. It's true. There's sort of, kind of, some kind of monster in that movie. I don't know. Who Clover, cares? Cl- Clover are linked to Capcom, aren't they? What? Are they? Clover. The, the video games developer Clover that made um, Akami and, and co. Clover. Like oh. Legendary. They, they, they became Platinum later. So they're linked to Capcom. So that's a, that's a, a few links to Tar there. <laughs> Steven's, Steven's video game circles that just like are lost on everybody else here. <laughs> you know, v- Beautiful Joe, uh, Akami. You don't play Akami? Akami's amazing. You'd love Akami. I mean, I, I played like half of that game. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I'm like very bad at playing games. Six, 60 hours long, but yeah, Akami. You know what, um, Matt? Play Akami. You'd love it. I don't know if you would, but it's great. <laughs> I don't play a lot of games. Not, re- not really my play, thing. Play as a wolf. Uh, maybe you've sold that... me though. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> with with a paintbrush. What you, what's the goal? Mm. Is... It's like Zelda, but you're a wolf and you can paint things to like do like powers. It's, it's, it's really <laughs> good. Like, I mean, yeah, Akami. It's it's, it's 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 they made a good Zelda when Zelda wasn't as that that good. Oh, Akami's incredible. I guess it is kind of Zelda-ish. Yeah, it, right. it just is. It, it is Zelda. It's just. Well, Zelda it's been game. a while, so maybe I'm you know not remembering <laughs> yeah. very well. Um, That's great. 
anyway um <laughs> thank you i mean the idea of that of it being a cloverfield movie i think i would probably like it more if it was trying to tie into something else but it's not i would have <laughs> so. given it three stars if the last sequence was just the same last sequence from town cloverfield lane <laughs> they run out of the house and there's a giant <laughs> alien just, outside <laughs> incredible <laughs> you're right i would have liked it way more if it did that mm-hmm. um we have an email, our final email, is from our friend Cody. Hey! I've been dreading reading this email <laughs> for a reason. Hey friends, I have a request instead of a question. Could you all sing the Skinamarink song this annoying movie is based on together? <laughs> if you don't know the lyrics, you could make them up. I don't know the lyrics. <laughs> I don't think I do either. Which means we have so to make it up, but I, I don't know if I can... Oh god, this is going to be unlistenable. <laughs> Why would you do this? I know, I'm like, oh no, I can't sing. Skinamarink, 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 what? Skinamarink. That's how it goes. Uh, Stephen nailed it. I think that's yeah. that's the song that it's based on. Yeah. You can't argue yeah. anything else. Yeah. Um. yeah there's nothing to add here. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have anything to add either. <laughs> I'm sorry if that was a disappointing response, Cody. Skinamarink. But it's, Cody it also has a question. It is fun to sing Skinamarink. It is. I mean, you've, it is. you've stumbled on something. They've already know that. Uh, Skinamarink is fun to sing. There you go. It is. Skinamarink. Um, <laughs> also, what was your favorite cartoon that played on the TV during the film? An actual question. Um, I don't know if I really, like, registered the cartoons themselves. Were they, Cowboy like, Hotel. old, like... What was it? Cobweb Hotel. That's one that I watched with you. Oh yeah, okay. I was yeah. gonna say I, I remember them being like old, like you know, like that those twenties horror like cartoons. I su- I just kind of figured I was like, oh, these are all like Bimbo, or the many different variations of Bimbo. Duckamuck. Oh, sorry, that was Babylon. Sorry, that was Babylon. <laughs> I get confused. <laughs> but yeah, I think I was so I was so uninterested. I wasn't quite registering like the specifics of the cartoons. I was like, this is nothing. Why does ever. everyone want us to talk about Skinamarink? We don't like it. <laughs> Cody doesn't even I, like it either. And he's emailing uh, us to make true. us <laughs> talk about sing, it. Sing a song. Yeah. Um, they, they, they do not. Um, but I guess maybe because there's more people are talking about Skinamarink than are talking about Babylon. Maybe and that's the problem with society. <laughs> I agree that. with you. More people are getting involved with Skinamarink. And they are with Babylon, and that's the issue. Skinmarink sucks, and Babylon absolutely rules. TikTok's more interested in nothing happening than everything happening. Mm. Mm. I prefer everything happening. Big fan. Yeah, I agree. Or just anything happening, really. <laughs> True. Would, would, <laughs> would, would take that over Skinmarink. But thank you, Cody. Thank you for emailing. We thank you, everyone, for, for those emails. Um, some fun discussions in there. So, let's see if Stephen remembered this week. Stephen, do you have a recommendation? So this is the part. Or are you about to dig um, through your diary again? <laughs> <laughs> Every single time. It's the part of the podcast where um, I play for time whilst the other people talk about movies they've watched recently. <laughs> um, so, Vaughn, recommend a movie. Is it M. Thregan? Is it M. Thregan? It's absolutely not Megan. That movie is terrible. Um, I guess we could have talked about Megan, but there's not really much to talk about. I don't think any of us like that either. Um, No, I am going to recommend a great movie called Drive. And not the drive that you're thinking of. 
No. <laughs> this is Steve Wang's Drive from 1997, um, which I think I like. I mean, I, I still do like um, Gosling Drive, but I, I think I mm. like this even more. It is um, originally it was like a, I think it's like a directed video movie, but um, just um, starring uh, Mark Dacascos, who most people probably know from briefly appearing in John Wick 3, but just like absolutely full adrenaline awesome action film um where he is it's like a weird kind of sci-fi thing where he has like a bionic heart and he's trying to escape the corporation that like built him in his like bionic adrenaline fueled heart and um he is in san francisco and like trying to escape these people and kind of just takes someone else along for the ride and they just start driving as fast as they can down to la and encounter a lot of action and insanity along the way the climax takes place in this like absurd like bar set that they built which has like it's like a bar but it's got like a space shuttle strapped to it so it's like a giant like set where it's like going off and um so it's like the the finale is like this cool like neon lit action set piece and there's like dirt bikes driving through this bar and the villain is like a cool like terminator kind of thing and sounds like batman it's and robin. just fantastic it's just like batman and robin now it's kind of like especially the finale reminded me a lot of the matrix it's kind of got a lot of like proto matrix stuff in there that's really cool like in babylon it's very like babylon. um <laughs> just like in babylon it's very it's definitely very hong kong inspired it's fantastic highly recommend matt you've seen 12 movies today recommend one uh, well, I can't, I'm not going to recommend any movies I've seen today. I've not seen okay. even one. But uh, recently I saw Tongas Sazen and The Pot Worth a Million Rio, 1935. I've been watching a fair amount of classic Japanese films recently for Japanuary. Cool. This one really stood out uh, from the rest. I mean, because a lot of them are serious family dramas or, you know, art art house fair this one is uh it's about a treasure map that's in a pot and people keep buying the pot no not knowing the treasure maps in there people are trying to track it down it's a run around have fun adventure comedy kind of did we kill enough time for you steven how many just, movies just, have you watched that you not, can't <laughs> just not watch very many good movies i'm sorry <laughs> Like, I've already mentioned Breathless. Can't mention Breathless again. Um, <laughs> people, you know, people watch Breathless. Everyone's about Breathless. Um, I can mention Demon Wind. I enjoyed Demon Wind. That'd be a good one. Um, yeah, I recommend Demon Wind. I recommend the ridiculous, campy, Evil Dead ripoff horror movie, Demon Wind, that is just, let's just throw loads of effects at people. Let's make it not make really any sense at all. Um, it's up. like, How Sue meets Evil Dead... Um, without the competency of either, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm fine with that. It like keeps it kills off characters and then just replaces them with new characters after a point. Um, it's not very good, but it's not very bad. I recommend Demon Wind, or do I recommend? Or you already or... did. You just said you recommended that. You gotta you're throwing another one out there. Um. Ah, and Confess Fletch is better than you think it is. Watch that. It's really good. I like Confess Fletch a lot. Yeah. It's not great. Like, don't listen to Vaughn, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's great. Oh, I rewatched Shivers as well, which people can find out about. 
Uh, on the stacks. That links us nicely <laughs> to our plug section. Yes. So, um, yeah. Um, so recently, I've watched a few things for stacks purposes. So for those of you that are stack subscribers, be it paid or not, um, you get to hear thoughts on Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li, um, one of the better Capcom movies up there, up there with Tar. I would say it's not quite as good as Tar, but if you're talking about adaptations of Capcom video games, it is up there. Um, we have tentatively labelled February Kung Feb. Awesome. So we're going to weaponize. People have been requesting, for good reason, um, more Jack expertise content. So we're leaning into that. With um, Jack's going to give us some good recs kung fu films. I'm going to watch more kung fu. I'm going to watch much of it. Um, we just for subscribers watched. I saw the daddy. Sorry, I saw the devil. I saw the devil. I saw the devil. Is the name of that movie? Um, because I did not like it, and Jack did like it, and find out. And we have promised to watch teeth. And Shivers. I've watched Shivers today. Previously a certified five-star Stephen Banger. Um, find out, I guess. Find out. <laughs> no, I'm sure you can uh, For anyone who's seen Shivers and might not know. <laughs> Rewatching Shivers. The film that Ben, uh, formerly of this parish, sent me a message when he watched it being like, Are you sure you gave us five stars? <laughs> Your previous assertion was that you would never rewatch it, so I'm very excited to hear how that one. Is. I refuse. <laughs> Matt made a wonderful bot where you can like look at rankings, and it's just me with ten at the top, and like everyone else is just six. Um, yeah, shivers. I recommend shivers. shivers. There you go. Is that all your? Is that all of the Stephen plugs for this week? Yeah, why not? You know. We ranked some monsters right. recently. It was pretty good. You can listen to us talk about Hedera. It's true. It's a great episode. Love Hedera. Thank you. Matt, is there anything you would like to plug? Yes, there is. Uh, <laughs> I guess we have Don't Let the Modern Cast Get You. I don't know when our next episode of that's going to be, but hopefully we can get back into the swing of things sometime soon. Mm-hmm. I guess, what what is our next one that we'll be doing? Um, it's Hurchy Cup. Yeah, Hurchy Cup Marriage. Okay. Oh, is, great. In, in the one which Calvin hasn't seen yet, actually, because he's been it's waiting exciting. for the yeah. podcast. But yeah, no, Hutchkamar is, is uh, brilliant. Um, oh, actually, for listeners, um, I know last year Vaughn and I did a Oscars prediction cast, which was very, very popular. But but Vaughn's too big for us now. Uh, <laughs> that's, not, so, that's not what I said. <laughs> so he's, he's not going to. Um, but uh, Vaughn is actually. <laughs> actually linked with actual award stuff now so he is right that that that, that complicates things a bit more but um the previous mentioned stacks we are going to do an oscars prediction thing i think emma's gonna be involved as well because emma loves to follow the odds for stuff so we are going to just like randomly pick winners for oscars and find out how wrong we are um we didn't pick coda last year so we were wrong that year um, i think most people were wrong <laughs> <laughs> i think the oscars were also wrong so um, oh very i would agree with that um yeah well, if anyone, you know what, I'm going to put it on the viewers. If anyone has any ideas for what they would maybe like to see from Stephen and I for Oscars-related content that is not just yeah. um, a predictions cast, then yeah. send us your ideas, because I'd, I'd um, still like to do something surrounding it, but um, the prediction okay. stuff doesn't quite entice me this year, because I've just been so deep to in it. end on, what do you, f- I want one prediction from you, best picture, and from both from, of you. Um... That's, it's. T- I mean, it's still. It's tough. I. Wa- I mean, I want to say like the things that. Know what you want. What's gonna win? You know what? I'm gonna say. I'm going Tar Best Picture. Interesting, Matt. I'm guessing Fablemans. 
I'm also guessing Fabermans. Fabermans. But I, I guessed West Side Story last year, and I was totally off, so... Yeah. But yeah, I think Fabermans, um, which is great, because that movie rules. Um, but Tar also rules, but not as much. There you go. Um, so that is the mandatory plugs. Um, if you like award stuff, Critical Consideration is yes, wrapped now, we, yes? Uh, um, yeah, we just recorded... Because the awards uh, the happened. Day. Yeah, so Calvin and I recorded our final episode. We kind of took a break because yeah. I was um, out of town and stuff, but we recorded our final episode now that the SFCS awards have been And I'm released. presuming that's a retrospective of the awards. Yeah, so we kind of talked Fabulous. about all the awards and, and our experience and everything, so that'll be up by the time this is out, so you can go listen to that. Um, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Please, please do so. Um, and the email, of course, is thinkingofspoiling at gmail.com. Yeah, please um, write in more questions, whatever you... Yeah, uh... more questions, less Skinnamarink questions, if <laughs> possible. Um, sorry to put you on blast, listeners, but if you could not email about Skinnamarink, I'd appreciate that. Though I do realise now I did ask you earlier in the podcast <laughs> to email in about Skinnamarink. So ignore me from earlier, um, and now please don't email in about Skinnamarink. Um, so yes, thank you very much for joining us, Matt. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for letting me invite myself. It's absolutely. <laughs> you were going to be invited anyway, so it actually was very, very fortuitous. Um, I'm glad to have loved Babylon. It's an absolutely fabulous movie, um, and thank you for enjoying me with it. Um, Void always very nice always. when we have a, a guest episode and Stephen's on the same page <laughs> as me and the guest. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was worried because it was going to be like, ah, oh, might be fractious, but you know, you're all very. I'm glad very you nice. enjoyed it. Yeah, um, it's awesome. Thank you. So, please, if you enjoyed, please rate the podcast on whatever platform you are listening on. We would really appreciate it. Give us full five stars or ten stars wherever you are. I don't know what other platforms do. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if there's a platform that has ten. I assume they're all maybe five. somebody's using <laughs> just in case. <laughs> We're making the ten star platform. We're making it. You can only give ten stars. <laughs> you can only give ten stars. And you can only give it to us. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We will be back in two weeks. But for now, I'm thinking of ending this podcast. Grand Turismo update. Grand baby. Oh no! I forgot about Grand Turismo. Baby, you can drive my car. Grand Turismo update. So, as you all know, on the last podcast. Were um, you waiting for me to end it to do that, or did you just no, think I just, of it right I in that just, second? I okay. just literally remembered. Um, we spoke about our most anticipated film of the year, Gran Turismo, and we thought it was really funny that a Gran Turismo film exists. It's got funnier, team, as Vaughn's going to reveal who the director of the Gran Turismo film is. And from this week onwards, we're going to have bi-weekly updates on the Yeah, Gran I'm going to make Turismo this a whole movie. segment. I'm calling it Gear Up for Gran Turismo. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, i was intending to make it uh more of a thing this week but i was i got back home from a being away like right before we started recording so i didn't have time to prepare as much as i beep as I wanted beep to, beep but... yeah you're up for gran turismo you're up for gran turismo and this week we'll reveal this film is being directed by neil blomkamp <laughs> i don't <know> what the <laughs> I don't know how I don't I that is so bizarre to me. I uh, and and it's based on a story about the game, isn't it? It's based on yeah, someone who like played Gran Turismo that, to win cars. Like I thought it was like he played Gran Turismo and then became a racer because of it or something yeah. like that. Like so yeah. I, I mean I'm still very very interested that because really reminds me a lot of District 9. So I'm I'm really excited for such a bizarre <laughs> choice. I, a director that's made but, maybe one good movie. Yeah, maybe. Um, um, 
That's interesting, though, because do you remember what Neil Blomkopf was attached to a long time ago? Uh, other than Alien? I have no idea. The Halo movie. Oh, he that's was right, supposed the to be making movie. the Halo movie. So he's actually in the the console wars rage on people. He's left I, Microsoft behind so and is Halo. now a PlayStation boy. Halo makes so much more sense. Like he's a sci-fi guy and now he's just yeah. making a weird biopic kind of thing based on Gran Turismo. It's <laughs> one of his art toys. So yeah, more updates on Gran Turismo, whether there are any or Get not, excited. next time on Gear Up for Gran Turismo. We will, we will be gearing up for Gran Turismo. Matt, you love cars, you're excited, aren't you? <laughs> Matt the car That's fan. That's a no to both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks, wow. for, thanks for being on the first iteration, iteration of Gear Up for Gran Turismo. <laughs> will you watch Gran Turismo, Matt? Will you watch it? I find it unlikely. Oh, but you watch every. If, if I, this I, is the one you don't watch, watch everything. Everything. You, you, you watch you both watch movie. more new releases than I do. Yeah, I think that's, that's true. That, that, that's a lie. I, I I've shifted away from keeping up with everything I used to in the past, but I I'm more interested in catching up on. <laughs> that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Gran, yeah, but Gran Turismo. What if it's what if it's good? I mean. I think even if it's yeah, good, yeah, I don't if, if you both give it a five star review, I'll watch the movie. That's the deal I'll make. Oh, we're gonna find out how good my ethics are when that film comes out. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks for stopping by for this <laughs> segment at the end In of the episode. Very good. <laughs> but once again, I'm thinking of actually ending this podcast. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> I'm so excited for that movie.